Hey everybody, welcome to the Going For Two podcast. This podcast is hosted by myself and my number one pick, Ben Cobb. Ben, wow, how are you doing today? Well, I'm great now that I heard uh, that that compliment. Thank you very much. Um, you know, I mean, you've seen my flag football skills and because it's hard to translate contact football as a linebacker to flag football, um, I, I don't feel like I necessarily would be your number one pick, but it's really, really nice to hear you say that, even if it's fake. So that made my day. That's That was, wow. You know, I've had having a good day, but that just put the cherry on top. So thanks. How are you doing, Mr. – can I call you Mr. Sertain for this draft? Sure, sure. I'll <laughs> You know, today and for the rest of the next two weeks, I'll take that. <laughs> All right. Love it. Yeah, because he's going to make a lot more money in the next uh, month or two than, I don't know, maybe my entire career. Who knows? <laughs> sure. De- maybe definitely uh, more than I'll make off of this podcast in its entirety. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, there is not a better time of year in my eyes than draft season. And with our kind of extended break that we took, we have not gotten to talk about the draft nearly as much as I'd like and prepare our audience for the, um, to use a biblical reference, my cup runneth over with draft knowledge and you will all get to experience it on this episode today. I love it, man. I, I am, you know, I'm excited that, the draft this year isn't virtual, um, at least for a lot of folks. I think they're going to reduce capacity at the actual draft itself, but um, mm-hmm. there's still going to be there's still going to be a f- uh, several players there. They're still going to be doing the um, the Roger Goodell draft hugs just got approved. Uh, yes, the recently. biggest news. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. So um, you know they actually they did they worked with what they had last year, and I'll I'll give them props. Um, I, I thought it was so funny seeing the progression last year of Roger Goodell going from like the Joe <laughs> Bro picks, like standing up, you know, in front of the camera, dressed in mm-hmm. a suit to like the seventh round in like a pullover and jeans, like at the back of the room he's in, just lounging, like just slouching. Falling asleep. And, like, yeah. <laughs> he is fighting it hard yeah. at the end of that draft. It's going to be good to see him. Uh, be able to give those awkward hugs and handshakes to the players that are being drafted. I think we all miss that. Yeah. And Ben, I don't know about you, but I've been there. Like that is, yeah. that is like, that's trade show stuff. That mm. is you spent eight hours standing in a booth and day two of the trade show, you are sitting down. And if someone wants to buy <laughs> something, you're annoyed. Like, yeah. <laughs> just get out of my face. <laughs> I'm trying to scroll through Twitter right now. That sounds about right. I can definitely see that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm super pumped for it. And one of the things I'm most pumped for is annual draft episode. This is our our second draft episode now. Um, mm-hmm. And it's probably one of, if not the most fun episodes that you and I have, um, that you and I, I do on this podcast. Last year, we actually took our listeners through the lengthy process yes. um, uh, of discussing our entire draft picks. Logan and I, every year for, I don't know, probably about six years now or so, we do a text mock draft and where we go back and forth 
um, and select who we think is going to get picked. And we revealed those results on our uh, draft episode last year. We took our listeners through all 32 picks of the first round. Um, it was lengthy. So, Logan, we're not exactly doing that this year. We're saving the listeners a little bit of uh, a little bit of um, real estate in, in their ears when it comes to the, the podcast. But we mm-hmm. are filling that real estate with other draft capital. Yes. So we're going to start by discussing our annual text mock draft, a rich, rich tradition among Ben and myself. Uh, we'll hit the high notes and then we'll post the rest of it on Twitter so you can uh, cuss and discuss it, you know, and um, let us know where we were off. And just so some of you, just to fill you in. So when we do a mock draft, we're projecting what is going to happen. Yep. And in today, the meat of our episode, after we discuss what we think is going to happen, we're going to discuss the top 10 picks and what we think should happen. So there's a specific difference there. One, we're trying to get inside the minds of the GMs of each team, see what they're going to do. And then we are in the other exercise, making ourselves the GMs and telling them what to do. Right. And I think that's a really big distinction because I think if a lot of people don't realize that. So when they see Todd McShay um, on ESPN saying that, you know, the this team is going to pick this player. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, that would be so stupid. Todd McShay is so dumb for saying that. But he's like, oh, that's not what I'm saying they should do. That's what I'm saying I think that team is going to do. Mm-hmm. So that's a really I'm, – I'm glad you made that distinction because um, that gets a little lost in translation sometimes with all this draft talk. Definitely. So the first thing we want to break down with our text mock draft, uh, we're going to go through – what positions, how many of each position were drafted? Because I think that's an interesting discussion. So we had five QBs, seven receivers, three running backs, five offensive linemen, one tight end, five defensive backs, two linebackers, and four defensive linemen. For clarification, I'm grouping all edge rushers and defensive tackles into defensive linemen. And um, our linebacker group consists of mainly inside off the ball linebackers so, yeah it's an interesting group for sure uh, a lot of diversity in some areas and a lot of difference than the conventional draft pickings of the you know past few years for sure ben if you had to guess so i i've heard this statistic recently on a podcast so i have it in the back of my mind but i'll see what you think is our text mock draft projections higher or lower than the average number of QBs usually taken in the first round? That's a tough one because I think it's spot on. Um, oh, you mean, okay, okay, I got you. So the average draft. Um, mm-hmm. I, would, I would think that it is um, that it's higher but because you're asking me that question, it kind of makes me think lower. But if I had to say, I would go that five quarterbacks being selected in the first round is on average higher. Ding, ding, ding. So the average is 4.7. Wow, really? I didn't, yeah. I wouldn't think it was that high, but that's... But yeah, wow. pretty close to, to bang on. So, but an interesting uh, footnote there is that the average for round two is 0. 0.7. Hmm. Wow. So there is a clear drop off when you look at 
your first round guys and then your second round guys. So you look at last year, I think Jalen Hurts was the only second round quarterback picked. And think back, there's just generally not a lot of guys, quarterbacks taken in the second round. You get your first round guys and then you get those guys that all season they're mocked as second round guys. They end up falling to the fourth and fifth rounds. Right. So it's yeah. pretty strange, but that's, that's kind of how it goes. That's a, that's really fascinating because, you know, we think of the recent picks with um, a few years ago with the Baker Mayfield draft, uh, there were five quarterbacks selected in that. And we were all kind of saying the same thing, like, wow, that's so many quarterbacks in the first round. Like that seems like an anomaly, but you know, uh, the data is the data and you're kind of saying that it's not. So that's very fascinating. Good, good use of the data. I love it. Analytics. <laughs> we're all about analytics on the show, right? I guess. Oh yeah. As, as, especially when they prove my points. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But one thing I thought was interesting is, so our, in our text mock draft, we did no trades. So the fifth quarterback and the final one in the first round came off the board at 15 to the Patriots. Ben, do you think the fifth quarterback lasts until pick 15? Yeah, I do. Wow. Um, I think so. I think there are going to be a few teams – um, like maybe the Denver Broncos or the Raiders that um, some people think may draft a quarterback or may trade up to draft a quarterback that actually will surprise some people and will not invest in a quarterback this year. Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of quarterback needed teams in that, you know, that first half of the draft, which is obviously why we mocked it that way. But I think that there are going to be at least a few teams that kind of surprise everyone and, and, are going to gamble with what they've got in the locker room rather than going the, the draft route. So that being said, I think, no, if you asked me if five quarterbacks would last until pick 16, I don't know if that would be the case. That's how close mm-hmm. uh, this draft is. But I think it'll be, um, you know, a lot of really good quarterbacks going off the board very early on. Like, that's the, that's the crazy part. You know, you said on average five quarterbacks are taken within the first uh, round of the um, draft every year. But we're actually saying five quarterbacks are taken within the first round, within the first half of the first round mm-hmm. this year. So in a way, it's kind of doubling that average, which is would be you know very crazy. That that a few years ago, the Baker Mayfield draft that was um, finished with Lamar Jackson at the end of the draft. But I don't know if we've ever seen anything like uh, a quarterback being picked, um, basically every third draft pick for the first half of the first yeah. round. No, and I disagree with you. I don't think that any quarterback that one of those top five will last until the Patriots at 15 because I'm sitting here looking at a list of, I think, the Patriots, Saints, Bears, uh, Washington football team, Raiders, Vikings, and Broncos. Any of those teams could move up to get their guy. Um, And with there being that many teams in that boat, I think that at least – one or two of them do make a move. So, you know, the Broncos moving up from nine would be maybe to leapfrog the Panthers or maybe just to keep one of those other teams out of that top 10 um, and, and secure their uh, top guy on their board. They may be going for the fourth overall quarterback. And then you've got the really the Bears the Washington football team and the Patriots are what I think are your key guys that could go up again to get uh, that fifth quarterback, whoever that may be. 
yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see that trade action um, very early on in the draft from teams way back in the draft. That'll be very fascinating to see. So I don't, I don't love the way that that's trending though, where we're really pushing these quarterbacks up the board. Uh, if you look at Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 players, Mac Jones is 34. Um, he's not a first round talent yeah. in, in a lot of people's eyes, but he's, he may go in the top 10. He may go three to the 49ers and that's yeah. insane, but it's such a QB heavy league that everyone thinks they've got to find the next Pat Mahomes. I feel like the league is better when the teams at the top of the draft board know that they're bad teams and either trade out of that pick to someone who needs a quarterback and a quarterback only so that they can, that uh, terrible team can acquire large amounts of draft capital those quarterbacks fall to those teams in the mid levels that push them over the brink. You know, when we had, um, I'm, I'm blanking now on, on Mm -hmm. names, but when, when quarterbacks would fall, when, okay, let's look at the Pat Mahomes draft when Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson were available at 10 and 11. Right. That's just not, that would never happen again with those, with guys of that caliber talent. Um, Right. Now, given that neither one of them came in with the fanfare of a Trevor Lawrence, but they were both immensely talented players, if they were in this draft class, not knowing what we know about them now, but only knowing about their college careers, they would be top 10 picks, hands down, no doubt. Yeah, I think there's this sort of phenomenon that's happening to teams that have, you know, has happened within probably the past only three or four years in which they would say, we would be willing to gamble on more of an unknown quantity than we would um, willing to gamble on a known quantity. You know, there mm-hmm. are teams in the draft that are definitely going to draft a quarterback um, that have okay quarterbacks on their roster. Yeah. Um, the Raiders, you know, Derek Carr is no slouch. He's not, um, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he's no slouch. Um, you know, he can get you in the playoffs. He could win a playoff game, mm-hmm. but but for the Raiders and for teams like that, um, I think these teams are willing, more willing to say, like, we don't want to gamble with what we know. We want to gamble with what we don't know and kind of crossing their fingers that that works out. And I don't know if I necessarily blame them. Um, the quarterbacks that are not, like, necessarily the top two picks or, you know, the, the best overall quarterbacks coming in, um, the, the quarterbacks that are surrounded with a little bit more question marks, those guys have, have produced at very high levels in the past few years. We're looking at the Josh Allens that had a question mark coming yeah. into the league. Um, we're looking even at the Patrick Mahomes, who didn't drop too far or anything, but he wasn't – no one was talking about him in the same fashion as like a Mitchell Trubisky or, you know, up at the number one spot. Um, and then even other quarterbacks that had question marks around them, like a Lamar Jackson. So there have been plenty of players that – were not like the upper echelon, upper tier, end all be all, um, but still like pretty good. That there have been a lot of teams um, who have hit on those players, and so I don't think that's necessarily a bad strategy to gamble on the second tier, quote unquote, second tier quarterbacks, rather than gamble with what you've already got in, which is usually a, a mediocre quarterback. Yeah. So 
the second biggest storyline, I think, as far as positionally, seven receivers taken. Um, I push back on that being reality, but I also was part of the problem, yeah, I guess, because I, <laughs> I picked Kadarius Tony late in, in our text mock draft. I think that, yes, there's, it's a super deep class. There is a ton of talent in this receiving class, but there is a huge gap between the top three guys and everyone else. Yeah. And now I realize why I kept, when we were pre-show, we were figuring out how I was coming up with 33 players. In my brain, I'm counting Kyle Pitts as a tight end and a receiver. Mm. <laughs> and so I'm kind of grouping him in you. there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you count Kyle Pitts as a receiver here, eight pass catchers drafted in our, our mock draft. I don't think there will be that many in the real draft because I think after you get past uh, Kyle Pitts, uh, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, I think there's going to be – everyone else is just going to hold off um, yep. until maybe the end of the first round. Um, and you may have someone who falls in love with a Terrace Marshall, Rondell Moore, who knows who it is because it could be any of those guys. They're all in about the same cluster. So I yeah. think that I think because they're so close, I think it pushes the the receivers down. I think offensive linemen may get drafted in those places, uh, defensive backs maybe something like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, we've seen a kind of a strange, um, almost overshadowing effect of some of these players on the rest of their position class. And so what I mean by that is, you think about the offensive linemen in this class, you think about more or less. One man and one man only, and that's Penae Sewell mm-hmm. out of Oregon. Um, and he's kind of overshadowing the rest of the um, offensive linemen in this class. Um, and then you think about the tight ends in this class. You think about one man and one man only in Kyle Pitts. And so when you have to sort of view your draft position, your, your position in respect to the top tier person, everybody else doesn't look so good. Yeah. And so I think that that might be a little bit of almost psychological bias on our end when we're doing these mock drafts in that the wide receiver group is a little bit more close than the disparate offensive line group and, and tight end group. So um, I don't know if that bias would creep into the front offices, but I think it, I think it won't, won't, which would lead us, which would lead the front offices to select, like you said, probably more offensive linemen than wide receivers that we, than we projected in our mock draft. Yeah. So I have one more point on our text mock draft that I want to hit. And that is that I think I, I know for a fact, I have not seen three running backs mocked in the first round in any other mock draft. Woo, we're the first. We, yes. we are the first and maybe we'll be the most wrong because there could be zero <laughs> running backs drafted in the first round, but Here's why I think there could be is the devaluation of the running back position, I think could lead to more running backs picked in the first round. Does that sound crazy? Does it, am I, am I speaking in circles? Yes, you are. Okay, perfect. (laughs) But here's what I'm saying with that. Running backs lifespan is shorter than most positions. So Getting a running back in the first round as opposed to the second round allows you to have another year of their prime under the rookie contract scale with the fifth-year option. 
So if I'm a team that needs a running back or that is going to need a running back in two or three years, I'm drafting him and I'm drafting him in the first round, late first round, trying to trade back into the first round possibly, but I'm picking him in the first round so that I have an extra year of control. If you add on a franchise tag at the end of that five years, you get six years. There are not many running backs in the league that are very productive after six years. So if you think that guy is an elite talent, don't wait for him in the second round, pick him in the first. That's my philosophy. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of along the lines of those second-tier quarterbacks. I mean, the running back position is a second-tier position uh, as far as people have drafted so far. I don't necessarily think it's a second-tier position, but I think a lot of front offices kind of, when they're drafting, they, don't, they treat it as a second-tier draft spot. Um, and so, but, but we've also seen it, the running back um, position kind of stay stagnant over the past few years, which makes my understanding and opinion of whether or not somebody should draft a running back in the first round, a little bit more foggy. Um, you know, there have been, I think what the difficult part in, if you want to draft a running back is looking at the running backs that have been drafted. Um, even specifically those that have been drafted uh, very high in the past few years and their durability. I think that's mm-hmm. the part that worries these front offices. Saquon Barkley is probably the, the best example around that. Drafted second overall. He's been banged up for now two years. Um, it's just been, you know, he's barely been on the field his entire NFL career. Christian McCaffrey um, started out well, but he's, he's really been banged up for the past two years as well. And then you look at other high draft picks like um, Todd Gurley. Um, even with the Chiefs, you know, with picking Clyde Edwards-Alaire last year, um, you know, he, he was on the field, but he was a, he was a rotational player. Um, I think people saw what he did at the beginning of the year, in which I believe he was a little bit more involved in, you know, being a starter, more playing time. But by the end of the year, that playoff push, he was a rotational player. He was a good rotational player, but he was a rotational player. So the question – so front offices have to beg the question, A – if I draft a running back with my first uh, first round pick, is he going to be able to be on the field or is he going to be prone to injury? And B, do I want to spend this draft pick on a rotational player? And those, mm-hmm. are some, those are some good questions to be asking. I don't know the answers, but I know that those are the concerns of the front offices. For sure. So Ben, out of our text mock drafts, what was the most surprising thing to you? Well, you know, the most surprising part was um, was probably the five quarterbacks off the board before the, the end of the first half. Um, you know, we discussed that a little bit, so I won't dive in too far. But I, I think that was um, the most surprising. If that were, I don't know if it's going to happen. I think it, it, it will be close to happen. But if it does, um, I'd be interested to see if there's anything like that that has happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, I think what is also compounding this effect is um, the COVID-19 year. Um, Trey mm-hmm. Lance, he played one game in, in his one game that he played. He didn't play particularly well in, but we have no tape of him from last year. Essentially um, we have limited tape. We have tape on Justin Fields. Yes. But at the same time, it wasn't a 13-game season. 
So there's not right. as much tape as we would have liked for specifically last year. Um, and then, you know, Zach Wilson's season was shortened by a few games as well. So there, and it was a weird season. And I think what you also have to consider is that it was a weird season. Like it, it, when you have strange disrupted seasons, some people can play really well and some people can play really poorly. And so I think, I don't know if we should put too much stock in last year. And I really think it's a confounding factor um, that is elevating the status of some of these quarterbacks. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So follow up on that before I give you my most surprising. You really believe that fields will go three to the 49ers over Wilson or over Mac Jones. Yeah, I do. Um, I think he's going to go three. I think um, there was definite interest in Mac Jones from the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. But I think that at the end of the day, you know, they were uh, crossing their T's and dotting their I's. Um, and I think they probably did their due diligence in looking into Mac Jones. But I think they're coming out on the other side thinking Justin Fields is the better prospect. Like we're all thinking that. Um, I mean, Kyle Shanahan, he knows his quarterbacks. He's an, you know, he's an offensive guru. He knows what he's doing. Um, I think Mac Jones looked really good last year, but he also had a, one of the best college football teams I think we've seen in, a, in history. I mean, phenomenal. And so that definitely aided Mac Jones' ability to perform well. But I think he's a good, good quarterback as well. Um, but I, don't, you know, I know some of the reports are pointing that way and some of the reports aren't. But I would, if I had to put money on it, I would say that Fields would go at three. Well, if I was putting money on it, I would go the other way, but I think that's what they should do. I think Fields is the better prospect. Anyway, uh, my most surprising thing from our text mock draft was the slide of Micah Parsons out of the top 10. Um, I believe in a, a different year with less of the factors that are pushing quarterbacks up the board like you just talked about, we could be talking about Micah Parsons as potentially – the top player in this draft. And uh, I think he's going to be a steal if he gets outside the top 10. And so we had him mocked to the giants at number 11. And I think that's a great pick for them. I would have picked him for the Cowboys had I thought they had any need at linebacker, but it's hard to hard to pull the trigger there with, with greater needs other places. Uh, but if they stuck to their board and said best player available and Micah Parsons is there at 10, I, w- I couldn't fault them for, for taking him there. I think he would upgrade their defense in yeah. some way. Yeah, I think – so I'll add two notes real quickly. So, one, I agree with you that Micah Parsons could be the best defensive player in this draft. Um, I'm not surprised if he does fall. Um, that's about where I have him a little bit outside of the top 10. Um, not because I think he deserves to be there, but that's the impression that I get. Um, it's, it's a strange, it's a strange thing when you compare quarterbacks that don't play due to COVID, uh, due to, uh, opting out, um, their status rises. And then when you mm-hmm. when and offensive linemen, their status rises. And then when you compare these less, less prominent positions, like, linebacker their status decreases Mm -hmm. and so i think that's about where he's going to be drafted um the cowboys would be an interesting one jalen smith 
has not been very good um, in the past few years. So he's, he's um, a lot like Micah Parsons and the fact that they both kind of didn't play their last year or, well, I guess I shouldn't say that he did play his last year, but he, he was injured in the bowl game, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But that kind of drafting of an inside linebacker um, with a potential question mark um, seemed to serve them well at the beginning, but ultimately it's not served them well. So I wonder if they'd be weary about that. Although I will say, I think Micah Parsons is going to be loads better than Jalen Smith. So time will tell. Any other notes from you, Ben, on our text mock draft? Uh, I would like to change my, uh, my Chiefs draft <laughs> because I'm pretty sure the Chiefs will not be drafting uh, whoever uh, I had them drafting at 31 anymore. I can almost guarantee you that unless yeah. something crazy happens. <laughs> Especially since they are not drafting at 31 as of today. That's right. As of a few hours ago, that's that's the world of uh, of closing in on the draft and the world of mock drafting, I guess. So, but yeah, but I think that's my takeaways. Do you have any other takeaways from from the draft? What what pick did you make in in the place instead of Alex Leatherwood? Who do the Ravens pick at thirty one? Um. That's a good question. You know, I don't know necessarily if I would go the same route, but I'm kind of leaning towards it. I mean, I had the Ravens. Um, what I had them at exactly in the mock draft who I had them picking, but I think they could continue to bolster that offensive line. So, you know, they could draft still the same person and Alex Leatherwood would just be a different team. Um, but, you know, they've got a lot of needs as well. Um, they could use wide receivers for sure, but that would be an eighth wide receiver in our draft. So mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to push that envelope a little too high if we're already overshooting. So, but maybe the offensive. Okay. All right. So moving on, we're going to break down now the top ten picks and put on our hats as GM of each pick. And tell them what what we should what they should do in that scenario. So Ben, is there going to be any controversy between our number one picks? Uh, not if you have Kellen Mond going number one overall. That's who I have. So so that's all we've got for today, guys. <laughs> and we will never see you again. Podcast canceled. No, I'm just kidding. No, I think it's. Uh, I think we're probably in agreement. Um, with Trevor Lawrence going number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars, seeing as how he's already donated $20,000 to some Jacksonville charities. So either he's a very, very generous person uh, or he's a very generous person and he's pretty positive he's going to Jacksonville. So I am as well. Yeah, there's really no debate here. Uh, There's no case to be made. Um, As much as I love Gardner Minshew, when you have the opportunity to draft Trevor Lawrence – you draft Trevor Lawrence. So moving on, I think we probably agree on pick number two as well for the New York Jets. Yeah, I think so. We, I think we both have Zach Wilson at that spot. Um, I don't think if, if uh, the Jets took Justin Fields, they'd necessarily be wrong. I think that they're, they're pretty even. Um, but I, I maybe put Zach Wilson just a notch above Justin Fields. Um, he, his 
the uh, he played two years before last year, so three-ish seasons total. Uh, he wasn't fantastic in his first two years. Last year, he was very good. So that's the whole question mark. Was it was he good because it was a COVID year and other teams were distracted or, you know, what was going on there? But we'll see with Zach Wilson. What do you think? So I was wrong. I, I thought you were going to go Fields. I'm going okay. Fields to the Jets at number two. I think he's the second best quarterback in this class. And they, after trading Darnold, which I probably wouldn't have done, I probably would have traded the number two overall pick, but that's already done. So they need a quarterback. Fields is the best available in my eyes. And I'd go Fields at number two. Uh, like I said in our last episode, um, I don't think with the information that's available to me, I can distinguish between the top five guys in intellect or ability to command an offense. So that being said, I have to rank them based on physical talents and Justin Fields comes in second physical talents and decision-making. And in my eyes, Justin Fields comes in second when I'm ranking those factors. So that's why I go Justin Fields to the New York Jets. Number two, number three, the uh, San Francisco 49ers on the clock. I, as GM John Lynch would take, and I literally just switched this while we were doing our intro. Mm-hmm. I sat here and I flipped this because I, I cannot figure out one, which one of these two guys is better. And two, which one of these guys fits better in Kyle Shanahan's offense, but I'm going to go Trey Lance. Oh, okay. All right. I like mm-hmm. it. You're switching it up a little bit. Um, so you're taking obviously Trey Lance over Zach Wilson. In yes. That respect then. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, so I'm, I have Justin Fields um, in that. Uh, that's probably been the, the most frequently mocked, that one, two, three. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think Fields is um, – Fields as definitely better than um, Trey Lance. It's, again, sort of uh, unknown versus known, um, although it's not – much known if it's if it's a quarterback being drafted if that makes sense so you know i think they both offer great things like you said the rookie quarterback relying on his feet is really paramount and uh, both trey lance really all these quarterbacks i mean really all the top four quarterbacks not necessarily mac jones but all the top four quarterbacks can run um Mm -hmm. pretty well so being able to do that that's what that's probably why josh allen you know was semi-successful his his uh rookie year because he was able to run a little bit and then what happened was that he figured out how not only run but to pass as well so um yeah i definitely agree with you that the running ability is is very key um you know kyler murray jalen hurts you know it's very prominent um in developing a quarterback in my selection of lance over wilson for the 49ers i'm considering the the style of offense and that Lance does not turn over the ball, at least in the limited uh, amount that we've seen him play. He does not turn the ball over and he's comfortable operating under center and turning his back to the defense. Um, that is something that a lot of these quarterbacks that operate primarily in the shotgun have to get used to. And you have to do that in Kyle Shanahan's offense. You're going to be in the um, under center quite a bit. And uh, 
bootlegs, uh, play fakes, things like that, things that Trey Lance is accustomed to. I understand he's not the level of arm talent as far as accuracy that Zach Wilson has, but I think Kyle Shanahan probably believes, hey, this guy's going to be comfortable plugging into the offense, and I can scheme guys wide open. So that's why I think I would go with Lance there. Who do you have the Falcons taking at number four? This is where we get into, I have no clue what you're going to do. I have no clue what the Falcons are going to do. Um, maybe you have a trade here. Uh, what, do you, what do you have the Falcons doing? Yeah, I have the Falcons um, trading back. Um, I think that four spot, especially with, uh, at the very least, two quarterbacks still on the board, that's a very rich spot. Um, I don't think that the Falcons are quite ready to move on from Matt Ryan. I don't think he's going to get them to any Super Bowls again, but I, I think he could be serviceable um, you know, for the next year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you also have to weigh it in a, as a cost benefits analysis. And that is the, the remaining two quarterbacks, are they better than Matt Ryan? And you can make an argument that maybe the top three would be, but once you start getting into the, the bottom two of the top five, I don't know if that's true. And then you also have to weigh it with the effect of, how rich that four spot is, which I think is a lot more valuable in this draft than it is and has been in other drafts. So I think the smart thing would be to, to trade back. I don't know if that's uh, – I, I would like to see them trade back to still maintain a first-round pick and maybe pick up a couple other second rounds or something. But, um, but yeah, I, I have them trading back. I think that would be best for them. What say you? Well, who do you think they trade with and who, who gets picked in that spot? Is it the fourth quarterback? Yeah, I think it's the fourth quarterback. Um, so I, the way I'm doing this, I guess, is, is who I think they'll trade with. I think the Falcons should trade, but I actually predict the Patriots, uncharacteristically, will trade up uh, to get um, – and I think that they'll trade up to get that spot. Ooh, wow. I don't think they Do should – but I'm predicting that happens. But I do think the Falcons will trade if that makes I think they should trade if that makes sense. You think sense. they should trade and you think the Patriots would do that. Okay. Correct. I got you. So I think that the Falcons should stick and pick the best player available. And that's Kyle Pitts. Yeah. And do you want to talk about generational talent? Uh, Trevor Lawrence is probably a generational, generational talent. Kyle Pitts is definitely a generational talent. This is like we talked about Miles Garrett looking like a man among boys. Kyle Pitts doesn't is not that big, but he's that much better than every other tight end that we've seen come through the draft in the last I don't know how many years. Yeah. Um, I see Darren Waller, who is right now, I think Darren Waller is about to break out and become maybe the best tight end in the league just because of his pure athletic ability. Um, if he can continue to improve his hands, his route running ability, I think he surpasses um, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey because he has more athletic ability than those guys. Mm. And Kyle Pitts is right there with him. So I think Kyle Pitts is a slam dunk. And like I agree with you, Matt Ryan's not done. He's probably not taking him to the promised land, but probably in this, in my mock, I'd, 
I don't think uh, Zach Wilson is either. So get a guy that you are not going to find next year and see what comes up next year. You know, start, keep building that. That kind of leaves them in limbo a little bit. It allows them to compete this year, but also not, it's not a win now move. You know, a win now move would be trading for a veteran player but they're not trading for a veteran player. They're getting a player that can contribute now and in the future. Um, but they're not adding a quarterback like the Packers did last year. Who's not going to help them now. So I think it's kind of a, a in-betweener move there for the Falcons. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, all right. So for the fifth um, and this, I'm going to give you my fifth and sixth just for time purposes. So okay. uh, my fifth pick, I've got the Bengals, uh, Penny Suell is still on the board uh, for me. I have him going in supporting Burrow in Cincinnati. Uh, and then I've got the Dolphins uh, at six, drafting Jamar Chase, a uh, little LSU-Bama connection between Tua and Chase. Um, I think that's uh, what both teams should do in those spots. Okay, so this is, uh, this is interesting. Because I agree, I agree with you more than is going to be evident. And when I say my next pick, okay. So I think that Denver should trade up from nine to five with Cincinnati. I also believe that Cincinnati should trade down from five to nine. And I'm putting Denver there, and they're going to take Zach Wilson. Think of Zach Wilson playing like he did at BYU with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, um, KJ Hamler. Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon in the backfield. That mm-hmm. offense could be scary. That he's got weapons all around and he can he can sling it. Yeah. So I've got Denver trading up, drafting Zach Wilson, and also the Dolphins um, drafting Jamar Chase. I think you know best pass catcher available. Get to another weapon. I went back and forth a little bit here because I think. Jamar Chase may be a similar type player to Will Fuller, um, or he's he's similar now to what Will Fuller has developed into. Mm. Uh, I think Will Fuller is uh, an emerging number one receiver, not just a speed guy, and that's kind of where Jamar Chase lands. He's he's very fast, but he also creates great separation on his routes. I don't know year one, year two, year three how that shakes out between those two players, who's the number one and who's the number two. Between Sewell and uh, Chase? Or... No, between uh, between Chase and Will Fuller on the Dolphins roster. Gotcha. Yeah, I'd probably put, put Chase uh, ahead of Fuller in that respect. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think he's very talented. Um, I think the Dolphins, obviously, since I said that as well, I think they would be – uh, it would behoove them to do that. Um, I love your creativity with Zach Wilson going to the Broncos. Um, that's not a bad pick. You know, I'd be interested to see how far Penny Sewell or someone else would drop um, that maybe the Bengals have their eye on because, you know, they're only dropping four spots. So that would be really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go ahead and give you seven and eight. So seven, I have the Lions taking their best player available, which would be Micah Parsons. Um, I don't know if you could probably point to a position on the Lions roster and say they don't have a need there. Um, I think DeAndre Swift is really good at running back. 
Um, so probably there. But mm-hmm. other than that, I, I can't name any Lions. They don't have Kenny Galladay anymore. <laughs> Is Indomitian Sue back? No, he's winning championships <laughs> with the Buccaneers. I who who do the Lions have at linebacker? Jared Davis is gone. I barely knew who he was. Yeah, that's definitely a huge need for them. Um, they they used to be okay in the linebacking core, but recently, um, like you said, there's there's almost no one on that defensive front anymore. So they definitely need to butcher it. And Michael Parsons is a great pick for them. Yeah. He would be able to uh, support that defensive squad for probably years to come. And then at eight, I have. And this is um, maybe my biggest upset pick of the draft. I have the Panthers taking Rashawn Slater at offensive tackle, offensive guard, over Panay Sewell. Wow. Um, The way I heard it explained best was that Slater was the safer pick. Uh, If he didn't work out at tackle, he is a all-pro guard. And could also possibly play center. So hmm. I have only heard one person put him over um, over Panay Sewell in their rankings, but it's probably also the draft person that I have the most respect for, and that's Daniel Jeremiah with NFL Network. So I, I like I like Slater. I like his athletic ability a little more than Sewell's. Um, I don't know that he has as high of a ceiling, but I think like, like I was explained to me, he has the highest floor of all the offensive linemen in this class. Yeah. And COVID's made everything uh, a bigger question mark. You know, that's, that's probably why Sewell is um, maybe not as high on some people's boards as, as others have them because it's an unknown uh, Mm -hmm. and people may be, more willing to pick the safer option than the the higher ceiling with a higher unknown. But right. I think those are those are great picks for those teams. Um, I've got at seven the Lions. I have Kyle Pitts uh, in my draft falling to them, and I think that the Lions would be uh, very remiss to not if he actually did fall to them, which I don't think he will. But if they did, I, th- I think they definitely should um, you grab take him. him yeah, you take him. For sure. Um, and then Dan Campbell, former tight end, yeah, has yeah. two really good tight ends in Kyle Pitts and TJ Hawkinson. So that's really right. interesting. Exactly. And Pitts, he's a guy that you can you can spread out a little bit. You mm-hmm. can let Hawkinson do the, the dirty work inside, and you can let yep. Pitts spread out a little bit and play more of a, of a a la Calvin Johnson-esque type football. Um, and providing Jared Goff with, with someone that he can rely on. That would be really paramount to his success, I think. At the, that really would be a good pick and a good matchup there with those tight ends, with that quarterback, with that offensive scheme and that head coach. I like that. Yeah, exactly. And remember that Anthony Lynn is now their offensive coordinator, and mm-hmm. the Chargers uh, had a lot of success with Hunter Henry in the past few years. So definitely um, a nod to your scheme comment. Um, yeah, and then I've got the Panthers taking uh, Micah Parsons. So similar to where you had him Oof. around that eighth pick, um, you know that that replacement of Luke Keekley that yeah. they haven't been able to find yet. Um, he was the centerpiece for the defense coming in, and that I think that if if Darnold played well and Parsons played well, oh man, that would be a that would be a very competitive team. 
that um, defense would be loaded with guys that can just play anywhere with Jeremy mm-hmm. Chin, who's the, you know, smaller version of Isaiah Simmons, who actually outperformed Isaiah Simmons in year one. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they spent all seven picks last year on defense and then to go in and get him as well. If Derek Brown comes on their uh, first rounder from last year, like that defense would be insane. Matt, yeah. the Matt rule rebuild would be in full swing. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, yeah. I'd be, I'd be really interested in seeing that pick. Um, yeah. Like you were saying, there's just, they're a talented bunch. And if he could play to the level of like a Devin white, Devin white was so influential in the Buccaneers Super Bowl mm-hmm. run that, you know, they could, he could play a very um, similar role with the Panthers. So rounding us out, what have, you, what have you got for 9 and 10 with the Broncos and Cowboys? So 9, this is where I kind of tie the bow on um, your on our similarities. Uh, I have Cincinnati having traded back and drafting Penny Sewell. Okay, so, so they still got their guy. They, they the still got their guy. They just traded back five spots. They probably pick up a first rounder next year. And, you know, they're going to need it. They still have holes on that team. And so if they, that's what I've heard is that they never trade back. They never mm-hmm. trade. Um, but I think that's a mistake in this year's draft because there's so many players people are willing to go up and get that if there's a quarterback available, if Kyle Pitts is still on the board, trade back just a couple spots and get one of you, you're still going to get one of those top two guys. I really believe they can trade back and stay in the top 10 and get either Slater or Sewell. And I don't think you're going to miss on either one of those guys. So I have the Cincinnati Bengals drafting uh, Panay Sewell. Now 10. Uh, This is probably the pick that I spent the most time thinking about. Dallas Cowboys. I thought about should they trade out, but with my thought exercise – I don't think there's a, anyone – there's not a quarterback here available worth trading up for. I don't believe Mac Jones is a first-round talent. I'm not saying I wouldn't draft him in the first round. If he got to 15 at the Patriots and I'm the Patriots GM, I'm drafting Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. But um, – so the, the thing – the conventional wisdom tells you um, draft a cornerback. That's what everyone is mocking to the Cowboys is a cornerback. But in Dan Quinn's defense, when it's been most successful in Seattle with the Legion of Boom, um, when they were uh, going to the Super Bowl with Atlanta, they had pass rushers. So this may be a reach, but if the Cowboys fall in love with a pass rusher, I say get your pass rusher here because it's more important. And I think it's not a great class. There's not a Guy, there's not a Miles Garrett in this class. Yeah. But I, I see the top guy as Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. And so that's what I think the Cowboys should do here. And also, they can trade back into – they have 10 picks in this draft. They can trade back into the uh, early second round or late first and get a guy like Asante Samuel or Greg Newsom, um, who are also going to be really solid corners in the league just because they miss out on Caleb Farley, um, Patrick Sertain, and J.C. Horn doesn't mean they don't get – they don't land their other starting corner opposite Trayvon Diggs. Yeah. Yeah, that's 
that's really fascinating. Um, I would be very interested to see them pick an edge rusher. Um, they've had a history of a lot of hits and a lot of misses on edge rushers in the past um, decade or so. So we'll see what the Cowboys end up doing. Um, at the Broncos at nine um, and the Cowboys still at 10. I don't have any of them trade. And I have the Broncos um, getting a quarterback as well, but I've got them taking Trey Lance. Um, you know, I think that the risk is worth the reward for Lance at this spot. Um, I think, you know, if they miss on him, they're just in a similar position that they are right now. And if they uh, hit on him, then they can, you know, obviously have a franchise guy. Um, the only problem with him is that he's not six eight, so I don't know how the Broncos <laughs> will feel about drafting him, but they'll have to uh, be okay with that. And then I have the Cowboys. Um, you know, like you said, a lot of cornerbacks were being mocked to them, and I've got uh, my top cornerback off the board going to the uh, Dallas with Patrick Sertain. Um, I love that pick not only because I think that it's the best pick for the Cowboys, but I would love to see. Um, people run into Logan Sartain and have a, have a question mark on them on, on their heads. And are, is this guy, he's not really, <laughs> is he related? <laughs> I mean, you know, that would be, that would be fantastic. Um, so that's kind of my ultimate goal with this, with just this draft in general to have that happen. Yeah. I, I can't say that would be a bad pick for the Cowboys. I, and I do think that's what they do. Um, but I've honestly, and one of the reasons I went past rusher here is I am going back and forth on if they should go with Sertain or if J.C. Horn would be the better prospect. Yeah, yeah. Um, really physical man-to-man corner. Maybe he's not the style that Dan Quinn wants, and that's probably why they go Sertain, but that's the style I like. And if I'm running a defense, I want my guys in press man coverage Um as much as possible. So that's, that's my, my favorite corner in this class, but uh, Patrick Sertain is, it would be a great pick, a legacy guy, just like JC Horn. And uh, yeah, can't go wrong there. For sure. Well, Logan, this, that we rounded it out. Uh, That was a lot of great draft talk. Um, This is our favorite time of the year. I'm sure we'll be tweeting and talking come Thursday. So almost, uh, almost here, and I'm excited to talk to you, and we'll probably be tweeting with the community as well. For those that want to get involved with us, you can follow us at going for 2 uh, pod on Twitter. You can join our conversations there. Uh, also, let us know on social media. You can find us on Instagram as well as Twitter or send us an email at going for two pod one nine at gmail.com. Let us know what's going on. Let us know what you think of our draft takes. Um, Logan, I'm sad we can't go to Buffalo Wild Wings in Abilene and mm. watch it this year. But maybe one day. Maybe one day we'll we'll be able to do that again for our uh, our draft as we did in college. Are or- you doing anything fun for the draft, Logan? Um I really have no clue. Um, got so much going on that day. Lucas is my brother is going to be walking the stage a year later than he graduated, which is a weird thing, but COVID <laughs> as well as his fiance, Caroline will also be walking the stage on Friday morning. Um, so 
Thursday night, I have no clue. But you know I'll be glued to my television, ignoring everything else going on in the world because that's what's important. Yeah. Um, but Ben, maybe maybe we can even take the the tradition a step up and next year or in years in the future, next year we can meet in Vegas for the draft, which will be in Vegas. Or Ooh. we wait until future date um, at predetermined or undisclosed location and hit 2023 or 2024. Well, there we go. We, so. how, how would our listeners like a going for two podcast at the draft live the from draft. the draft? That we can set awesome. up like a, a, a table and pretend like we're a formal, <laughs> like booth. we're part of media row. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, we, I don't know what qualifies you for that, but we might like, we send, you know, Hey, here's a link to our podcast. We need a table at media row. Like, why not? We can, we can bring the table ourselves. We just need a spot. Okay. Just literally yes. give us like a corner next to a trash can or something. We're fine with that. Yeah. Just don't stick me anywhere near Colin Cowherd and we'll be good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh man. I love it. All right, Logan. Well, it's been fun. Listeners. It's been fun. Contact us on social media. Let us know what's thought of our draft takes and the next time we talk to you the new generation nfl talent will have been drafted logan it's been fun until next time shout out to lucas for graduating go out there